Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jay Cross, how good would you say you are at the guitar? I would say I... Your three choices okay. are beginner, yes. intermediate, yes. or advanced. Probably beginner. Okay, excellent. How would you like to move up to intermediate? I'd really like to be an intermediate guitar player. That's the only thing I've ever wanted to be. Good. That's about as far as you'll get. Yes. Unless Uh-oh. you use Guitar Tricks. Okay, tell me more. Guitar Tricks is an excellent website to teach you how to move from beginner mm-hmm. to intermediate mm-hmm. to advanced guitar. Okay. Whether you're just starting out or whether, you know... You could be, you should be better than you are. Like me. Indeed. Yes. Um, Guitar Tricks uh, will help you move through those stages as a guitar player. And good for you, Jay Cross. We have worked together with Guitar Tricks to bring a 14-day free trial to not only you, but to the listeners of the Guitar Nerds podcast. So that means I can try it for 14 days, and if I'm not into it, just cancel it. You can, indeed. But... I'm probably going to be into it. I think you probably will. Okay. You'll notice a uh, swift advancement of your guitar skills. Excellent. So, do you want to know where you can get this offer? Where can you get the offer? Guitarnerds.net forward slash guitar tricks. Can you repeat that for me? I can. Guitarnerds.net forward slash guitar tricks. Is there um, like an app that you can use or do you have to do it on your computer? (laughs) Guitarnerds.net forward slash guitar tricks hello and welcome to the guitar nerds podcast i'm your host mark packham joined this evening by matt knight Hello. And Jay Cross. Hi, Mark. No Branton again this evening. Who? Sorry, Branton oh. fans. Um, I Personally, I feel like this is... Uh, we're going through a transitional period where we are getting... Like, we're just having Brantonless podcasts <laughs> to weed out like the actual guitar nerds from exactly the uh, the clutter of people, of reprobates who think that he's the best one. It's the Branton fandom. Yeah, we're, we're I'm going to bring just, him back, Bo. Bring, bring in Bo. That's bring, what I say. Bring, bring back. back Bo. What if he comes back, like, repackaged? You know, like, I mean, I know I always talk about wrestling on this podcast, but when a gimmick's not working, they send them away for a few months and they come back as a totally different thing. Um, like Mankind and Cactus Jack. Yeah, or, or like um, Papa Shango coming back as the Godfather. Um, or, uh, puke <laughs> coming back as Droz. Yeah, he, I don't think he was ever Puke. 
Wasn't he? No. no, I think he was puke. He was only puke in the Beyond the Mat documentary. Oh, and maybe that's just, what I'm thinking of. They debuted him as a member of Legion of Doom, I believe, at one point. He was, yeah, draws. Anyway, 90s wrestling. Um, How about it? What, so what if Branton comes back as a totally different character? <laughs> I mean, he could do the voice I, I already. Can, I can absolutely imagine him uh, rebranding himself. Yeah. He's like, because he's gone, he's gone, on, a, he's gone on a European tour... So he's going to find a new thing that he's into. You know how every now and again he latches he onto something thing. new. Oh, I want a travel guitar or whatever. Oh, yeah. Or, oh, I'm vegan now. Like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. he's going to come, he's going to have found a new thing. Like, oh, Maybe I've spent be, time uh, in Berlin and now I like techno. What like, he, that's what it'll be. What if he just comes back and he just speaks German? I mean, fantastic. We can, maybe what we should do is, if there are any German listeners out there who would be interested in purchasing a the Gitanas franchise... Yeah, um, you can keep Branton. You can keep him, and um, you'd be doing everyone a favour. That sounds... He'll come back with some fan- a fancy umlaut over the O. <laughs> Brontun. <laughs> boo, 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 Brontun. Boo, boo, Brontun. <laughs> Um, so yeah, sorry, Bo fans, you're going to be uh, bowless this week. I mean, we only found out what yesterday or the day before. He was like, no, "Oh I yeah," think he did tell us like a week ago. We just ignored him. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, okay. But uh, yeah, I think he only confirmed this morning that he wasn't going to be here. So. He's honestly for a, a geezer who's got his um, metaphorical fingers in so many literal pies. Um, I don't understand how he gets by day to day no he's, because he's he's so busy all the time but has no idea of where he's supposed to be the next day just sort of bimbling through life i know what um, what a rubbish geezer but uh just a little bit of housekeeping as it were branton's probably back next week we all hope he is because i might not be because i'm moving house um yeah. which if you saw the seymour duncan competition which is up on the facebook group at the moment um you would have seen the chaos that is here so I move next Monday, which is when we normally record, um, and I probably won't have any internet by then, so um, you guys might have to just sail the ship on your own. Excellent. Um, or we may miss a week, which would be rubbish, because we've never missed a week, except at Christmas, when we all have our little Christmas holiday. But never missed a week? No, we'll work something out. Wow. You might just, might just even, be... We even did a solo podcast. I was going to say, solo podcast. it might just be you in your room ranting on your riding, own. Riding solo. Maybe because he's yeah. missed two weeks, we should give Joe a solo podcast. I don't think... That's any, a very, very bad idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, how have you all been, Matt? You've uh, you've been doing loads of stuff on the Facebook group this week. I noticed. Oh, I'm busy. You're I'm busy. Really I went busy. to the Royal Albert Hall. Met Joe Bonamassa. Oh, yeah. we We're best mates now. Tell us about that. Um, so yeah, for work, um, I actually went to go and meet uh, Michael Rhodes, who is a famous Nashville session bass player. Um, he we got in contact, and he wanted to see some stuff, so we went down to see him. And he put us in contact with Mikey, who remembered me from way back in the GAK days when I did the rig rundown with them. Uh, um, legally, which was quite nice. legally not a rig rundown. Um, okay, with a gear sh- showdown. No, that's the wrong thing. The, the with a talks, gear talk. Okay, no, gear no, talk we can't either. use gear talk either. Um, the um, Tonium Harmonium. Yes. Pandemonium. Like Pandemonium. Um, so Mikey is his um, tech. Guitar tech. His long-term guitar tech. Yes. Um, so yeah, we 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 kind of. He remembered me from from back in the the GAK days, and um, he was really cool. He came and looked at some stuff, and then Michael Rhodes managed to get Joe down with a fifty-nine to come and try some stuff, and he was into a couple of bits. So that was super nice to kind of get some feedback from from him. 
and uh, we got to watch him sound check for a bit which was amazing got to check out his like his rig is the polar opposite for like Joe Bonamassa fans who have been with him a while probably know this but from what you saw in that video that we did a few years ago when we were all at GAK to now it's like you couldn't imagine a, a totally different rig he was then he was using five different like flavors of like Marshall amp and now he's using four vintage Fender tweed amps and uh, PRS guitars yeah oh yeah and a uh, uh, Line 6 spider head <laughs> the tone from that was just whole wicked straight into the PA it was a Helix LT straight into a PA <laughs> yeah nice nice um, but yeah no two guitar pedals um, which were which were well one of them I the thing is Mikey was talking about doing rig, uh, rig rundowns tonium harmoniums with other magazines and he's like there's not much to see so I don't know if I can actually talk about what I saw or not Okay, well, maybe we shouldn't talk about it then. So, I think just in case, we won't talk about it. Um, Um, Just because we get criticised for not talking about guitars uh, too much, can you tell us what guitar he was playing? Yes, in the sound check, he was playing, and this this was quite funny, because I was watching it from the side, and I was like, why is he playing a brand new Gibson Les Paul traditional in gold top? I was like that guitar is so shiny and so new and I was like I know he's had a signature gold top I know he's had a custom shop but it would have been Voss finish it was like quite glossy I couldn't work it out and then when I talked to Mikey afterwards I went oh what gold top was he playing he went oh a friend of his has lent him his mint condition 1957 gold top he's like it's basically brand new god how how does Uh, that even happen surely even if you leave it in the case like it's gonna the finish is gonna know. not you know, it's gonna, know. the shine's gonna come off it. You'd I'm think, assuming like, it's just someone who's like played it very lightly and cleaned it for fifty years. Yeah. But, but then but, yeah, um, you'd expect it to get that sort of swirly Yeah. That's, yeah, that's I, mad, I don't know. Isn't it? But it was basically like I mean it, I think it had a few a few cracks and stuff on it, but uh, it I mean it it was basically mint condition. Wow. And uh, it was funny because when when he came down to the dressing room and he bought uh, he bought his fifty nine, his really famous like Skinner Burst fifty nine. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, and he's like, oh, the last thing I really need is more guitars and amps because, you know, I've already got loads. He's like, we just did a stock take of my house and I've got 763 guitars and amps, <sighs> including 100 vintage Fender Tweed amps. Um, it, and the big thing for him that it was on the reverb video I did recently is he's got the Mint Tweed set or what he calls the Mint Tweed set. Yeah. So it's every Tweed amp they ever made in the 50s, including some I've never heard of, like the Harvard and like the high-powered twin, so I think they made like a couple of ones that are like much rarer. Yeah, I've never even heard of the Harvard. Uh, yeah, I think it's like in between a deluxe and a champ, I think. Okay. Like that, but yeah. So he was saying he's got a lot of stuff. Basically, I was like, wow, fair play. But it was funny when I was outside. I heard two people talking to his tech, who are obviously collectors, who have lent Joe stuff in the past, and they were talking about which fifty-nine set just bought. And I went, what a crazy club to be in. Yeah, no, just... I just bought this 50... I heard one guy say he just bought the last ever burst finish 58 in production before they started in 59. Wow. I, I mean, like, it's that, just another amazing, world, isn't it? isn't it? It's a completely different world from, you know, the things that we normally talk on this podcast. I would say that we're fairly, like, retail-focused. You know, yeah. we talk about, you know, what Fender have yeah. got out, what Gibson have got out, you know, what uh, Boss, TC Electronic, that sort of thing. And then there is a whole 
Well, I mean, I think there's a few different worlds in the guitar world. You know, there's the more metal guys, which we do talk about, you know, Ibanez and ESP and the bigger names, but people who are into the more sort of custom fan-fretted things. Yeah. But then yeah. there's, and, you know, those guys, a lot of the time are using, like, digital modelling bits and pieces, um, which we delve into every now and then. Um, but then there's this whole other, like, upper world where they're talking about, you know, proper vintage stuff that I just think your average guitar player will never, ever see well i mean it's it's kind of bridging the gap between sort of guitar collecting and guitar enthusiasm and like art yeah collecting like you know being an art collector yeah um yeah. you know and it's if if that if you've got that sort of disposable income um it seems like as good a place as any to oh completely invest it because I mean, it sounded like these guys were actually like in the business as well but i mean I just think you've got to be, you've got to know so much about that level of guitars and like specifically that era. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's got to be a lot of fakes. There's got to be like, if you've just someone with loads of money, I don't think you could probably, you probably could just pick up the phone and go, I want to buy a 59 from a shop, but you wouldn't actually know what you're buying. No. But I think once you've <laughs> seen enough of those guitars, you can tell. Yeah. Like, I remember holding that, I've talked about it a few times on here, that 54 Junior. Um, and that just felt proper, you know. And yeah. other old Gibsons and stuff, they have a definite feel that it would be very, yeah. very difficult to fake, I think. Um, I mean, the, the 59 that I played when I went to Nashville, I mean, you, that it just felt like, I mean, I know custom shops are, are fantastic and the relicking's amazing and th- those guitars feel great, but I don't think you can replicate like 50 years of playing it in. Well, if, if you think that basically, you know, you've seen a few of those guitars and you can tell the difference between yeah. the custom shop, which should in theory be the best kind of fake, you know, uh, yeah. old guitar and a real, you know, an old one, then it should be easy enough for, uh, yeah. for collectors to tell, I guess. It was, um, he said something really interesting though, because I was like, um, Joe uh, on this like video talks about guitar safari, which is basically what he goes on when he goes to buy vintage guitars. <laughs> and I said, to, I said to, to Mikey, I was like, oh, have you been to any shops while you're here? Obviously you're in London, Denmark Street. And he went, he said, no, we haven't bought a guitar in, a vintage guitar in the UK for about three or four years. He said the market's really tainted with everything that kind of went on at Music Ground and stuff oh, like that. Wow. And, and the kind of the history, he said, he said just stores aren't that great. He said the prices aren't great. Obviously, I know that the dollar isn't, I think is pretty good for them right now. So you would, I think you'd, it would make sense, but it's just like, it's just not a great place to, to buy vintage guitars, which I was quite surprised to hear. And actually hearing it from him was, you know, a more trustworthy source I suppose because they've gone out and bought hundreds of vintage guitars and don't forget as well that market is just um, by way of the numbers you know it's a smaller market because you know people weren't exporting vintage guitars a lot of the time back in the day Um, so actually the stuff that made it here um, is you know very very limited compared to what's available in the states I guess there's also the um, the issue that you know we're seeing with a lot of uh, modern guitar companies you know, current guitars with the um, the CITES issue with transporting rosewood. Yeah. yeah. In the yeah. you know, if you, so, I've, I've been I've actually been doing a little bit of research on it this week because um, I hadn't realised that um, that you know because we've spoken about it before, saying like, oh well, if you take a guitar, you know, across the border and you don't have the correct blah 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 blah, you've actually got a um, a ten kilogram 
personal allowance okay for rosewood that you can transport without ascites ah, um, so agreement. you could just take a guitar with you you, you could take that. a guitar um on a plane uh you know or on a wherever across a border as long as it's not obviously brazilian rosewood because brazilian rosewood is just illegal now. okay wow um you can't make any money with a Brazilian rosewood guitar because you are breaking the law. What if... Even if that is going down the dog and duck and getting paid 50 quid. What if you prove that you're not making any money with it? Uh, I don't know about that. Okay. I assume it's... I assume it's okay. I Honestly, I have no idea. From what I understand, Brazilian rosewood is illegal. God, it's so weird, isn't it, that, you know, even five years ago, Fender Custom Shop were making stuff with Brazilian rosewood. Yeah. And now you can't legitimately sell if you'd bought that legitimately from a shop five years ago you can't now sell that guitar no well Fender had to buy stock back from people from shops no from punters as well yeah yeah Yeah, I remember we had a guy who bought do you remember we had those were they solid Brazilian rosewood neck or were they just Brazilian no they weren't solid neck it was just a board yeah it was just a board but they had bare knuckles in didn't they yeah I remember those guys were like worrying about the kind of up this was like when i was still at at gax i mean this was a couple of years ago now and yeah one guy said that fender actually bought his guitar back yeah wow yeah apparently it happened a a few times but but, and and then that happened again there must be plenty out there though who didn't have the details and also people who don't realize that it's brazilian rosewood yeah yeah. don't realize they're doing anything wrong and that's the problem is that um if someone does someone does have a brazilian rosewood board guitar and they take, you know, because that, it, as a sort of spectacle, you know, in whilst it's illegal, in the same way as like, you know, having an ivory, I don't know, something made out of ivory. Really cool and just awesome, right? Yeah, well, but what I mean is, you know, if you take that, if you take a guitar with a Brazilian rosewood board across the borders and um, the, it's like in the United States, it's like run by the Department of like National Fisheries, like the the... I can't remember the name, the, the name of the actual department, but it's, it's not like, like the EPA or something. The no, no, it's not EPA. It's it's to do with like like transporting and um, pr- like preservation. It's maybe it's the EPA. I, anyway, it doesn't matter. If you have got a guitar like that and you don't realise that that's what it is, and they go, "Oh, that's Brazilian rosewood. That's illegal." They can take it off you and they can burn it. Wow. That seems a little bit wasteful. Well, I mean, completely. If we're talking about the concept, <laughs> if the whole aim of the game is to protect rosewood, it then seems a bit stupid to go right, stick it on the fire. It smells great. Apparently. Smell, yeah, that's why. That's why they just want to keep the last smells yeah. to themselves. They love it. So, but but, um, but they, I also found out this week that the reason that this whole Brazilian rosewood uh, thing kicked off is. Um, and I'm I'm sort of hearing this secondhand, so I I would like to preface this. I don't mean to. Uh, I'm not we, trying to get anyone into any anybody into trouble. This is relative conjecture. As always, we're not lawyers, and uh, yeah. you should always take this advice with a pinch of salt. Apparently, Mark Knopfler's fault, really, because he sort of found out that he had a Brazilian rosewood board and got in touch with someone to be like, if I take this across the border to a gig in Germany. Am I going to get it back? And they looked into it and went, no, you're not. Right. So and they started cracking down on it. Right. And But it all came from that one moment of, of Mark Knopfler. It's always Mark Knopfler's fault. So there we go. And as I say, this, is, this is somewhat conjecture. I, I heard it from a, 
Okay, he's a down the dog down, and duck. Down the dog and duck. Yeah, yeah. He was play, it was Martin Offler. It was Martin Offler down playing, the dog and duck. Playing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, interesting times, Matt. It's good to get a little uh, insight into uh, to Joe Bonamassa's current yeah, setup. Because I, I was just thinking when you talk about relicking and aging, because I, I always see on the tube these adverts for Jack Daniels. They have these amazing adverts about Jack Daniels being 150 years old, and obviously they like sometimes these like companies age whiskey in a barrel for like 50 years. There's no guitar company thought. Why don't we make some guitars now? Then just hang them on the wall. Everyone can play them for like thirty years, and then we'll sell them. Well, I think I, I don't like think whiskey. Is, I don't think whiskey is aged for age. fifty years. I don't think it's. They do some like they can get like thirty-six year old like really? single malt whiskey. I, I mean, yeah. I don't really know anything. I mean, about whiskey. I mean, they're like hundreds of pounds. Well, for sure, for yeah, a yeah, yeah. Shot. But I mean, you, it, it can it can be done, and obviously, people buy what bottles of wine that are like seventy years old. I'm sure there's a few Deans and BC Riches hanging in the back of guitar shop somewhere that have been there for nearly, for nearly 50 years. I guess that's the thing, though, isn't it? Like, you've got to have the... Um You've got to have the foresight to think, right, I'm starting this company and in 30 years, people are still going... And also, like, where are you going to store something for 30 years? And also, will anyone care? Well, absolutely, like, absolutely. If Gibson came out and said, oh, by the way, actually, we've had these since, like, 1987... Yeah, of they, course. I mean, firstly, they'd probably be quite crap guitars. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but also, secondly... Is that Kayla Trim? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we <laughs> built these. We knew they would age well. Oh, dear. Um, Matty, one other thing to talk about from um, things that you've been doing on the internet. You've been lusting after the Digitech XP1000. Yeah, I can't remember if we... I'm sure we've... Well, I mean, we've talked about it loads. And we've always talked about the space station. Yes. And um, it was one of those things where... From when I was talking to to um, like Nick Reinhardt the other other week over email, and he was saying that um, he loves his XP three hundreds, and he's got an original one, and then he's got a couple of others. And the guy I used to live with put one on eBay recently. I was like, I'm sure that's my mate because uh, of the like the problems where it came from. And I was like, man, I really want one, but an XP three hundred on eBay are going for like four hundred quid, four five hundred quid if you want an original one. But Jetpack mods, who have been modding them for about 10 years, are offering an XP300 modded for, like, half that price. And effectively, all it is is the EEPROM chip, or the, like, the basically part, the brain of the computer chip inside is just swapped out for a different one. So do they so, do they actually switch the chip, or is it just something they get in there and reprogram it, basically, to... No, I think they actually switch the chip. Right, okay. So what, is so it I switch for something more modern, more up-to-date? No, no, no I, think they're, I think they're switching it for... I don't know, because they can't be switching it for other XP300 chips unless no. they've got some. Um, unless there's some sort of code that you need, and then you can buy a more modern EEPROM chip and then, yeah, re- reprogram it. Um, but they've yeah, they've got an XP100 which they've modded to a 300 and upgraded a couple of the parts because those like late 90s whammies weren't particularly well made. Um, or they've got the the 1000 which is all four, so the the whammy, the modulation, the space station, and and the reverb. But some of the I just like I kind of want a space station part because I used to have one. I used to have a 1000 but also because the space station's got so many great sounds in that you can't get from any pedal today what i don't understand is why why has no one just made one like there's so many clone pedal companies out there and people are selling original xp 300s for 400 quid 
why doesn't someone just make one? Like, because well, there's a company that have remade the Akai Deep Impact yeah. pedal recently, and it's a and it's about four hundred quid. So it's almost as much as buying a second hand one. Almost. I mean, the second hand ones are, of the Akai basins are like six hundred quid now. But they've they've made like a, what they call an exact replica, pretty much, but with a couple more modern features like MIDI and stuff. But yeah, I'm surprised no one's gone. Oh, I might as well sit here because I'm sure it's just it is just DSP. It's just programming. But and also, most companies use the same language, so you could reverse engineer it. Maybe it's too much work. Well, that I'd it imagine- probably is too much work, especially because if we're talking about clones, like you know, th- there's a reason why most of these pedal companies are just constantly putting out different iterations of fuzz pedals. You know, boutique fuzz pedals are the most popular pedals for a reason because they're easy to make and it's yeah. like well do i spend yeah. all this time reverse engineering a pedal that but i it, know was popular or funny. if i'm going to spend it's... that time do i just produce something new which i assume is what most of these people want to do yeah. you know yeah yeah well it's it's weird because i um although i'm not like involved in it i follow like some of the retro gaming community and there's loads of people out there who make like their own like nes games and like the amount of dedication and work that goes into that to basically sell none, I'm like, I'm surprised there's not more people actually sitting there, and like programming a bit of code and I guess stuff. But yeah, I suppose it's there's no there is no money in it um, for a boutique guy to do it. It would yeah, like you say, it'd probably be so expensive. Well, yeah, I just wonder like the cost of manufacturing the casing is probably at that point the most expensive thing. So yeah, yeah but I mean, even if they were two hundred and fifty quid, you know, it's yeah. surely you but know. Compared- are, I think there are some modern builders doing some pretty amazing like pedals that do some pretty crazy things out there, I suppose. And that is that are, people are certainly going that way. But you're right; if, if it was two hundred and fifty quid, I'm sure people would would snap it up. You'd have two of them. I would. Yeah, or yeah. I could just buy the Digitech. Although I don't, I haven't seen one on eBay for ages. The EX7 Expression Factory. Do you remember no, that? Don't was do like, that. That's that's not the same thing. No, it's not. But it had like seven different distortions in it. Yeah. Model just because they had the Distortion Factory. That was terrible. Distortion that Factory was terrible. was terrible. Um, on a similar note, when I move, I think one of my first purchases is going to be uh, uh, FM4. I was watching some demos of the Line 6 FM4 are the other day. Ki- what is wrong they're with you? They're so good. They're not good. They are. They're really they're, good. They're, <laughs> you they are, are such a mug. They're a classic, and I really want one again in my life. I think uh, the the like dual synth stuff on there sounds great. Although, actually, you should check out... Um, I posted it in the group the other day. There's a company called Meris who have made this thing called the Autobit Junior. Which is like, it's like a... They call it a bit crusher, but it does way more than the bit crusher. And um, the Love guy crusher. who co-designed it is the guy who was the lead engineer on the fm4 ah that sounds interesting Can, um, have you posted that in the group already i have posted it in the group and then after i posted it in the group i was like i think i really want to buy one of these um they've started stocking them at gak i was like joe why didn't you tell me and you went oh, i sort of like just didn't think about it I was like, he's, thanks as we mentioned earlier he's useless and doesn't know what's happening from day to day yeah. that's why so but um they're like 200 and yeah, like 280 quid which is probably mm, 
Yeah, I, I suppose like a second-hand FM4 is about 150 quid. No, nah, about 100 quid. Yeah. About 100 quid. Yeah, that's Or you I, could buy the rack unit, which are definitely going to go up in value. Someone put all three on recently on eBay for 800 quid. Whoa, no. easy now. You're sitting on a gold mine, Matty. That's what I it know, is. That's I know. what it is. Um, Should we move on to some news? Oh, is that me? Yeah, you need to do the news. <clears throat> He's not here, is he? He's so? not here. He's not here. I've been thinking about this. I don't think I put enough... You need to go welly. lower. I think I don't think I put enough welly into it. Hang on, let me get either. to the fader and ride the fader. Okay. News. That's good, and I think probably the first time uh, that it's actually been news rather than nude men or whatever yes. it is. Yeah. Say. Well, so. I'm. You know, I I thought I'd capture the spirit, but be sensible yeah good yeah. i like it i like it's it a, it's a sensible podcast for it is sensible individuals it is we'll have no talk of those weird travel guitars around here <laughs> um anyway first up big bit of news tc electronic have announced the polytune 3 the uh brand new iteration of the polytune and polytune 2 um probably the second most popular guitar tuner out there i would imagine um yeah that cork so. pitch black is yeah, just still cork- killing it yeah yeah the cork <laughs> cork ca30 absolutely <laughs> destroying that the, market uh, Korg DT1000, the snark clip-on <laughs> tuner. Um, Jay Cross, have you got some details? Yeah, so um, this has sort of come a little out of nowhere. Well, I say it's come a little out of nowhere. We've been we've been seeing all these rumblings from TC Electronic over the past six months or so. We we know that they were purchased by Music, Music Group. Group or yeah. Behringer, basically. Essentially Behringer. Um, And at the turn of the year, we saw all of those new... um, New. New. uh, All of those new um, uh, TC pedals came out. Yep. um, In like a brand new uh, chassis and everything. And then, of course, over the last couple of weeks, there's been maybe some leaks of potential new... Other things. uh, TC Electronic products possibly that we We'd, couldn't cost possibly comment on other podcasts have but have they we, yeah we should we I, are far more sensible uh, yeah i think until it's official it's only fair that we don't completely however um this is this is i don't think anybody was really expecting an update to the uh to the polytune because as far as i'm aware the polytune does allow for firmware updates is that the polytune 2 is that no. not correct oh no. okay well and actually we the funny thing is with this tuner all they've done is basically make a tu3 well yes of course and that's, opinion, that's they haven't actually they haven't actually upgraded the tuning feature right okay so that's what's quite funny about this and we did um this was pointed out so that to 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 finish my tangential no not tangential yes it's background um, basically the polytune 3 has got the tc bona fide buffer <laughs> what's funny well, uh... what's funny his name was boner <laughs> so it's got the bona fide buff buffer in the uh in inside the chassis the and buffer. i do th- i do remember um there being a lot of um a lot of uh, a lot of lulls that were shed when TC Electronic released the Bonafide Buffer. <laughs> Not for that reason, um, but because they've always made a big deal of the fact that their pedals are true bypass. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's very funny that they've released all these pedals that are true bypass because they don't want to colour your signal, but, oh, they do sound not great when there's not a buffer so they've released the <laughs> buffer. Um, so, you know, there's now a uh, a buffer in your tuner. So... 
It's not completely a surprise, but something that I was thinking about this week was what about people and maybe this is maybe this is an old school way of doing it, but what about people who use like a tuner in on say like an expression pedal? You know, because the buffer's not gonna help those people because it's not within the circuit. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Uh, yeah, you're right. Is that something that happens that regularly? Maybe it doesn't. Oh yeah, anymore? I mean, if you use something like an ES8, for example, but the ES8's got a buffer inside it, got, so it don't matter. Yeah, but it, but it's got a tuner out, so like yeah. if you weren't using any buffers, but yeah, you're right. If some people are running like I don't know, a Ernie Ball Volume Pedal Junior or a Boss FV30, it's got a tuner out. Then yeah, basically, it doesn't matter as long as the tuner's accurate. It doesn't matter what's inside it because you're not actually running anything. You're not using it. the buffer. Yeah. So, yeah. But you know, this is this is cool. Is I'm glad that um because I think we were a little bit worried when TC went to Music Group. Um well and, but, and released that whole range of cheaper pedals re- well, which absolutely. none of us have heard yet, I think. Matt, have I, you heard them? I've 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 seen I've I've heard I've heard a couple being demoed, but yeah. I've not actually tried one and yeah. they sound okay. They they're actually quite massive. Yeah. They're like bigger than normal compact like a boss oh, really? compact pedal they're bigger than that oh, which right. i thought was that's a bit weird yeah i think the only thing with the, the this i mean i'm always going to stand firmly behind the boss the boss chain obviously but um the, they are expensive now they're nearly 90 quid i mean they've always for a no they were so, they were like no they weren't they were 69 60, quid yeah, at 69. one point they were the cheapest option yeah um and they're nearly yeah, they're nearly ninety quid. What's the TU three? Seventy nine, something like that. Seventy nine, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you, you, having you on the podcast aside, Matty, I think all of us kind we're of stand all, firmly we're all behind the when the it comes TU3. to the TU three. Yeah. yeah, when it comes I mean, to tuners, I, mean, I think you know. It, it's funny because I've, I I use only because it fits on my pedal board at the moment a, a Polytune Mini, but I'm going to upgrade to the TU three W, the Waz one, purely because the screen is so much better. Yeah. Because it's, it's got, got blue lights in it, yeah. But it's like they're like super bright, and they're they just it's so accurate. Because that was like, one of the things like... that was one of the things with the Polytune was that it was always brighter 
than anything else yeah, I the seem T, to remember. The, T, the standard T3 is a little dull because it's got that kind of orange LED yeah. to it. Um, but on, yeah, they're on like a, bigger a, LEDs rather than like uh, those tiny, super powerful ones, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, personally, I think this announcement, as potentially uninspiring as it is uh, on face value, I think it's a good thing for TC Electronic because they were always, you know, ever since we've... Ever since we've been doing this podcast, they've always been a, a firm favourite. You know, they've always done cool stuff, cool like sort of innovative, and um, you know, they've they've sort of given Boss something. That they've not allowed Boss to rest on their laurels. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've really given them a, a run for the money, and they've done some great pedals. And I think that this is a this is a good omen. I, I really hope that we see some. You know, maybe I don't know, just picking something out of thin air. Maybe like a new Hall of Fame. That'd be cool. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they did a new Hall of Fame, that'd be really cool. Hopefully, it? hopefully, we see something like a new well, Hall of Fame. I mean, what if it had like you know, what I've always found with the Hall of Fame is there's not enough kind of expressive control to it. So if they yes. could maybe add a feature in some way that would like add some more expressiveness. Also to it. missing the um, tend to miss that shimmer control. As yeah, well, yeah, like yeah. The shimmer option. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe something like that would be. If cool. they could do something like that, I think that would be a very uh, very we'll, good pedal we'll see we'll see we'll, we'll, see, what see, happens, we'll see what happens but um, what happens, yeah you know yeah. I, I just think that it's, it's TC moving in a really cool direction I'm really excited to see what comes next um, now Branton's not been on the podcast for two <laughs> weeks and what that means is we've not talked about um, a guitar brand that none of us have heard of in <laughs> funky colours with flame maple tops um, with sort of you know high output pickups and stuff like that um, so I thought it was time to talk about iconic guitars who have just released the Evolution Series T and T Limited Matt Knight, give us the deets. I, I'm sure we've talked about these before. I don't. Think, I, I don't remember them at all. I'm sure Branton's mentioned them. Probably at some point. who? Um, Bo Banton. Oh, gotcha. I thought you said oh. Joe. I don't know who that is. No. Um, yeah, iconic guitars. I was just doing a bit of uh, research into them. Basically, Fender clones, I suppose which they've done in a, like a vintage T and a vintage S style. And they've, they've kept those sort of like more true to the original. I like, so, sorry, just to, just to pull you up on something there. I like how you called them. You didn't hold back in saying they were Fender clones, but then you did respect T the, style. The, oh, their T style and their S style. Well, that, that's what they're called yeah, on their website, yeah, yeah, vintage yeah. S and vintage T. Um, so they've kind of done their sort of modern twist on it. So the evolution T and the evolution S and on the on the press release on on the the telly one or the vintage tea um i actually think it looks really good i mean it is a little bit prse but it i i kind of like it two humbuckers like rather than two single coils flame maple top um like a 5a flame maple top so really really nice that's that's too uh, many a's i'll only go to too four many a's for you um lola pickups yeah uh five-way switch so basically more of a kind of sur route i suppose um but nice if you want that kind of look and or that kind of body shape of a of a telly but you want something way more modern can i just say the so the picture on the uh, that came with the press release is a sort of sea blue fade so from like dark royal blue through to a like a denim color yeah, and they've gone with gold hardware. I mean, no, I think on. it's chrome hardware. Is it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it it's looks chrome gold hardware. to me. It looks gold, and if it is gold, that's 
unexcusable. It's just no, a bit much. I mean, that is unexcusable. But I, I, I think it's, I think it's Chrome. I'm sure it's Chrome. I just think that the brass saddles might throw you off slightly. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. But I you mean, would expect them to say that it had gold hardware in the spec. Yeah, perhaps. They look incredible. The funny thing is, I think the teddies look nice, but I, I must admit, I'm not a fan of the strats because I think once you put a flame maple or a quilt maple on like a normal strat style body, takes just, yeah. takes it, it into sur territory, doesn't it? <laughs> um, just, I just don't know if it works. But I, I think that I think the teddy actually looks looks quite nice but they're limited dealers in the US uh, I'm sure they're like really really nice guitars to play because you know I've got a feeling that at that sort of money they're about $2,000 starting price I'm pretty sure they're going to be fairly well built um, I expect to get once- our hands on one but I think there's only California Massachusetts Tennessee at the moment It, uh, they are quite I mean, apart from that one in the picture, which looking at their website now, and they're actually quite tasteful. They even do like a kind of Charvel-esque. Well, they call it the SoCal, which yeah. is the name of the... It is, yeah, 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 which is cool. I mean, that sort of thing. Two humbuckers with a Floyd, fine. There's a place for it. This Strat looks... I mean, a lot of what they've done, they've gone for the Artist series, and, and they've, they've looks... just made a Gilmore Strat, yeah. which is... <laughs> yeah, I think which is great. I think that is great. Um, I like the fact they call it the Dark Side. Oh, yeah. okay. And then they actually even write on it, in the style of the Gilmore Black Strat, it's not in the style of it is a Gilmore. That's Black amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the artist series guitars for uh, the iconic artist series guitars, you've got the Dark Side. Yeah. You've got the Sultan. Okay, nice. Guess, guess who that is? Uh, you've got the Crazy Diamond. Yeah. And then you've got the Texas Flood. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty obvious they're not, who they're, they're going not hold, for. Holding any bars, are they? No, no. Um. So cool. Yeah, I think. Um. You know, we. Like I said, we get criticised not talking about guitars enough. And generally it's because there's not much guitar news. So I thought I'd to kind of pick up on something that's normally is a bit out of our wheelhouse. And yeah. I think they're not bad looking guitars. Yeah, I think the thing is, is that I suppose we talk about pedals and amps more because companies tend to release that as like constant fodder. And there's way more of those companies releasing that stuff where Fender can't really go, oh, we've got a new guitar every week because the sheer amount of like work that goes into producing a new product and then the marketing behind it yeah you can't just do it every week where a pedal company can go we've got a new pedal out here's a cool demo video we shot of it who wants one you but, know and also there's you know in terms of the more independent stuff you know there's far more pedal build independent pedal builders than there are uh, smaller, guitar- far smaller barriers to entry exactly yeah market, you can you know, yeah. put a pedal together for 40 quid you know 30 40 quid whereas yeah. putting a guitar together is going to be you know, if you're building something like those ones that we're looking at, you're talking about multiple hundreds, if not into the thousands of pounds, which Completely. is not, not yeah. something you can just do in your shed, you know. Um, talking of pedal builders, there is one last bit of news this week. Our friends at Frederick Effects have announced a brand new pedal, the Standard Fuzz Machine. Matt Knight, have you got some deets? Yes. Um, so Frederick Effects, a company that managed to make awesome pedals for basically no money uh, in London, have made, yeah, the Standard Fuzz Machine, which is a clone of one of my favorite fuzz pedals and they used to own one and i totally regret selling it i think i sold it to krista franks who was an old uh, gak employee actually and i i think he's probably still got it it's based off the ibanez standard fuzz um oh, the one with the faders was, yes or known uh, also as the shinai fuzz or the univox super fuzz um back when basically all companies made the same pedal just under with a different different name so that pedal was a massive kind of 
with two huge faders on it that were basically depth and balance. Um, and I could never really work it out because they're both like volume controls. Basically, it, it was kind of a bit weird. But the best way to do it was basically just turn them both up to full. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's very similar to the harmonic percolator is yeah. that like they're both kind of volume controls, kind of, you know. And, yeah. you know, we found that with the um, the utility percolator as well. It was it was just a, a bit a bit mad. Yeah. 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 So um, this is a, effectively a kind of that with obviously his twist on it. He's added an extra tone switch. One keeps it standard. One adds a little bit more cut and a little bit more fizz if you want something a bit crazy. But these are great. Like the harmonic percolator, these are just great for kind of loud amps on the edge. And if you just want something to tip it over, but you don't want to add something that's going to give you, you know, Martian in a box, say, or something like that. You want something that's just like gnarly 60s fuzz tone. Um, and yeah, I had one of those Ibanez fuzzes and it was great. It was really usable it's not necessarily responsive to your volume it's just great to just turn on when something's really loud and and rock out and they're a hundred quid i still don't know how he makes the, i'm sure he could probably charge like 200 quid and it just don't give me any ideas it's man. A boutique metal. yeah but i don't think he's that kind of guy yeah I think he's just the more kind like, of guy that listens to a boring guitar podcast yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he <laughs> um, listened to it once and then was like mm, maybe not but i mean everything he makes is pretty much under 100 quid and i I just find that so so impressive well considering they're you know they're handmade in the uk um and they're going they the build is always very chunky on them because they don't go for like the die cast boxes it's always that kind of bent aluminium isn't it like um yeah very very different way of making pedals i wonder if that's how he's keeping the cost down maybe but actually what you get at the end of it feels more substantial than something that's just in a regular die cast box yeah completely they're um, they're super cool super cool um we've had loads and loads of questions this week so i thought we could devote some time at the end of the podcast to um to rattle through some of those um so maybe now is time for question that was pathetic i know sorry i I mean, my voice is naturally like two more shrill, a bit more <laughs> annoying. Yeah, your voice is naturally pathetic. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Questions. It sort of seems like there's just not enough air coming in. I'm just not as um. Yeah, Joe's full of hot air. He is there. Okay, fine. I'll take that. <clears throat> okay, let me try once more. Question. <sighs> Question. No, I, I'm not going to... You're I, like taller. You're supposed to be more deep. I, I, I've got a high voice. I don't know what to tell you. You have very high voice. Um, so uh, we've got a whole load of questions in the old question bucket. Um, and <laughs> I'm going to pick them out. Uh, there's some of these I want to do more than others and not necessarily in the order on this sheet. So I'll keep you guys on your toes. Um, first one comes from Will who says, Hi guys, thinking of picking up one of the PRS SE Custom 24 Exotic Finishes. Just seen that PRS are doing limited edition uh, Satin Nitro Vela guitars for an extra £250. They sound like cool guitars and have a cool talk guard, but I probably won't get a chance to try one before buying. What should I do? So SE Exotic or Vela um, with the uh, Satin nitro finish matt knight what do you reckon um i i did actually comment on this in the facebook group and as much as i love the exotics i think they're awesome guitars they look cool i've played those fellas a lot and they are great guitars for the money and yeah. i think if they're on a deal 
I think if you want to go for something that's a little bit more unique in its sound as well, because it's kind of got their own sort of Dynasonic pickup in the neck. And to me, it sounded like the cross between like a Les Paul and a Telly. It sort of had like the Telly twang, but it had a little bit more bottom end and a little bit more of a kind of depth to it. And I just think for they're just such great guitars for the money. Um, and I mean, the exotic ones are as well, but it is that top. And as much as I kind of like the top, I probably would get a bit bored of it. And I think if I was going for a, a nice feeling guitar, I've had faded guitars before. And they always just kind of get better with age, where the ones that are maybe finished in a poly that are kind of a bit plasticky, which some of those cheaper PRSs can feel like, they don't tend to age. And uh, that's kind of one thing that sort of annoys me down the line, I think. That would be the difference for me, actually. Like, I really like the Vela as a shape. I think it's cool. I think it's probably the coolest thing that PRS have done, um, certainly recently, maybe ever. Um, But the thing for me would be the Nitro finish. Um, As you've talked about, Matt, like, it's that the ageing. You know, there's, yeah. what you're going to find is with the plastic finished guitar, or I say plastic, with the polyurethane finished um, guitars, they just don't age at all. And yeah. you notice the difference in between, you know, in terms of guitars that are in this room, between my P-Bass and my Les Paul Jr., is that the Les Paul Jr. has aged so much nicer. I mean, it's still a gloss uh, finish, but it's nitro, and it's like sunk into the wood a little bit, and it just feels... It just feels it's one of those, It richer. goes back to what we were talking about earlier with regards to how you can feel a, like a... Generally, I think any three of us could probably, if you're presented with a real Les Paul and a Chinese Les Paul copy, yeah. we could probably pick it up and go, this is fake. Well, yeah. I mean, the finish will play a huge part Completely. in that. Like, I think it's... You know, we talk about like you know tone words and pickups and stuff like that for me the, the a lot of the difference the finish it completely is, is a huge factor for me and I, I think the the thing that really um opened up that discussion for me was when maybe three years ago it was while i was still at gak um when fender released those um the f i think they were fsr Models, there was a Jaguar, a Jazzmaster, a Tele, and a Strat that were Mexican guitars that had a nitro finish, and they were absolutely phenomenal. They were better than any, like, the those guitars were better, or were a better purchase. Don't say it. Pound for pound. Don't say it. Were a better purchase than a Baja Tele. They were. They were, they, they were, like, pound for pound, they were better. Maybe they didn't look quite as nice, but they felt absolutely phenomenal. So I would say if for like if it's going to be a guitar that you're going to have for a long time and you can afford the extra 250 quid spending that extra money will will repay you know you you won't need to buy another guitar for a long time because you will be so happy with it yeah i, I totally think that's the difference as soon as you jump from uh, a poly guitar to a nitro one they do just have a bit more of a guitar for life feel and yeah. also i think the you know it will be a us made guitar i think if you're going for the prs like there is something to be said. Personally, they're not guitars particularly that I get on with in terms of how they play, but you can feel the quality of the US Complete, made. I, I think I think that's that's not to play down the quality of those um, those SEs because oh, I think they've really, really they've really, really, really stepped it up. Especially even in the last like five years, I think they've really stepped it up. Yeah. Um, but for me, I don't actually think that like the craftsmanship of those comes into it too much. I just think that uh, a nitro guitar is just 
a, a better purchase. Yeah, I think so too. Um, what should we do next? <coughs> Let's do... Um, there's a lot of good questions, actually. Okay, this one actually is pretty easy, but it's actually quite interesting. Sean says, The neck on my Gibson SG is creaking slightly when I bend certain notes. Is it a truss rod adjustment that's in order? Matt and I, what do you think? Creaking slightly? Well... Let me just start you off, actually. So we talked about this on the Facebook group a little bit. This question's already kind of been answered, but I wanted to get your take on it. What people seem to think it is, is the nut, uh, the string sticking in the nut. Yeah. So when you're bending notes, the string's sticking in the nut, and then it's pinging a little bit. Yeah. Um, from what um, Sean was describing, that, to me, sounds like the issue. I don't think it would be the truss rod in any way. Um, so no. what's, what's the solution, then, if the strings are sticking in the nut? It's um, partly. Sorry, I was just going to say, partly it depends on what material nut you're using. Yeah. Um, but in general, the answer to this is everybody's favourite product, Big Ben's Nut Sauce. Get your nut sauce out. Which is a fantastic product. Um, uh, about five years ago, they also, I think it was about five years ago, they also released just in time for Christmas the uh the uh bumper bonus pack where you got a couple of extra things in there which they called big ben's nutsack yeah because it had all of the um bits and pieces that you would need to maintain your nut your nuts no 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 there's only one on the guitar right yeah yeah what so, if you got multiple guitars though? oh yeah for sure then you need but um i think nut maintenance is something that <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had it. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I think nut maintenance is something that maybe is uh, overlooked. <laughs> maybe in your household. Um, you should never, occasionally ever not not maintain. Listen, listen. We're not that to- we're not that type of podcast. We yes, we, we are. We're a hundred percent that type of podcast. Stop it. We are a serious. Not with he, he's not here. I'm point, dear listener. I'm pointing at the empty chair at the end of the uh, at the end of the table here. But was, what, was, just before we move on from that point about us not being that type of podcast, I was walking to work uh, on Friday, I think, and I just burst out laughing in the street because I was thinking about the Patreon episode where someone farted, and then we just covered like we never me- referenced it, but you can definitely hear it. I don't. And I want I someone to go back and find the it, find the exact moment. And find was it. it Joe? I can't remember. It wasn't. It was either Joe or you. I think then. it was Joe. It, was it you? Oh, well, I don't think it was me. I think it was Joe. Okay, it wouldn't have been me because I don't do that sort of thing. Still, no one has found Joe in the Demon, Demon Headmaster, Headmaster. By the way, there is a prize of. One of those pedals over there to Demon Headmaster finding him. Anyway, going back to uh, the topic on hand of nut maintenance, um, (laughs) you just need to make sure... You just need to make sure that you're... Um, what basically what Big Ben's nut sauce does is it just adds a bit of lubrication (laughs) to the nut to ensure that um, it's not sticking. And that is, um, that's one of the, like, classic setup, like, like, tricks. Yeah. Just stick, like, every now and again, you don't need to do it very often. Just stick a little bit of Big Ben's nut sauce in whilst you're restringing, and it will, it will make such a difference. And that is, you're probably right, that's probably what's causing the creaking and squeaking. Um, also, I tend to find uh, that was always a good solution for if, 
um, strings were breaking. Yeah. Um, if you if you're finding that strings are breaking a lot, quite often you do you will see that it's like either on the nut or the bridge, um, and it will just be that there's something like maybe something a bit sharp there, or there's some interference of some sort, and um, the the nut source just acts as like slight lubrication to stop that from happening because strings do slip, and you know when you're if you're um, you know bending strings a lot they do move slightly side to side and uh, just allowing a little bit of lubrication in the nut will <laughs> so dumb. do wonders. So dumb. It's, it's difficult because it's a dumb... They've, well, because they've, they've obviously done it on pl- purpose. Of course they've yeah, done yeah, it on yeah. purpose. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. We should. Robin says, uh, right, compressor question. I want to put a compressor after my fuzz so that when I roll my guitar volume back to play cleaner, the overall volume stays up. But... I don't want it to compress the buzz of the fuzz pedal when I'm not playing. So I either need a perfectly silent fuzz pedal or a compressor with a threshold function. Any ideas? Will the new Boss CP1X do that? Matt Knight. Um, hmm. That's a tricky one, really, because what you're doing is you're taking away the nature of kind of a cool, like, germanium fuzz pedal that you can adjust with the volume and then, like, not wanting that at the same time. I suppose you, what you want is a dynamic fuzz but if you put yeah he's right if you put a compressor after you're still gonna lift the volume up so it's still gonna pick some of the noise floor up whereas if you put it before it's just not it's not gonna work i I suppose the cp1x will you can kind of set everything relatively flat but because it's constantly analyzing what's going into and applying different amounts of compression i think you'll probably find it won't work so I don't really... To be honest, I don't know if I could really answer that. I don't know if there is anything. How about guitar, fuzz pedal, noise gate, compressor? The problem is when you roll the volume back and you're lowering the fuzz, the output that's probably coming out of the fuzz probably won't be enough to kick the noise gate open. Yeah, that's true. What about putting putting the fuzz in the loop of a noise gate with a really sensitive yeah but he still he still wants the f- noise gate he just doesn't want the, f- yeah. the the like hum of the fuzz pedal yeah but you can you kind of but then then again when you roll back like I've got the Pelotor on my board that's my main fuzz and I kind of have it wound more on the fuzz face side of things but I find if I roll the volume back on my guitar I don't tend to lose a lot of volume it just cleans up. It just cleans up because you're just kind of reducing sort of the input signal, but I've usually got the output boosted on it anyway. So when it's up full, you're getting a little bit of a boost, but then you can roll it back for kind of the cleaner, more rhythmic stuff. So maybe you kind of just need... It depends what you're using it for, but maybe you just need to have a play around with how how you're using it. But I can't think of anything because, yeah, there's there's no... Well, not say there's no such thing as a a silent fuzz pedal... I suppose in one way you could potentially maybe use a vintage style compressor in front that kind of squashes everything and gives you a little bit more clean sustain and it will constantly always boost things up. You're still going to turn the volume down before you go into the to into the fuzz the, pedal. Yeah. So it's all yeah, it's know. all about signal to noise going into the fuzz, isn't it? If you're putting less signal in there, then you're going to get more noise out of it, kind of by default, basically. Um, whereas yeah. if you put more signal in, then in comparison to the noise, it's going to be going to be a yeah. higher. Yeah, it's going to be higher. So, yeah, yeah really difficult. It's, fuzz is 
you kind of have to deal with the fact that they are quite erratic and they are quite noisy and that's kind of depends the what joy of them. using well, well yeah but they all sort of are aren't they you know if you give it less volume you're still going to get like buzz from the fuzz as it were yeah. so yeah. um yeah fuzz pedals are an odd odd thing because they're not clean and clinical they are a bit of a, a sort of wild beast what would you say is the kind of cleanest fuzz mat um I mean, in terms of like overall noise, I mean, one thing you could check out, I mean, I love the fuzz face uh, side or the vintage fuzz side on, on the Pelotor. And I know Leon's just brought out a new pedal, which we didn't mention this week called the Half Horse, which is just one half of the Pelotor. Oh, yeah. And that was definitely one of my picks uh, of pedals last year. So I'd say maybe check that out because I, I don't find that pedal particularly noisy at all. Um so maybe check that out that's i mean that's a that's a great fuzz pedal that works really well the mini fuzz faces from dunlop i'd say going for a more vin, uh, modern fuzz pedal you'll get a better signal to noise ratio because of the components that they're using yep. the white atom as well Mag- like magnetic effects yeah. white atom yeah definitely that yeah. sort of like uh i really like that because it's it's a almost a drive like you can get like a like drive sounds out of it yeah um which yeah. i guess is sort of moving away from what robin is after because by the sounds of things it like he wants fuzz he wants fuzz and he wants that vibe but not all the time but also all the time yeah which maybe the white am isn't the way to go because it can be cleaned up i think the pelotor or like you say matt the new half horse would be a good shout definitely they're um they sound like neat pedals, definitely. Yeah, the, uh, that's the, yeah. Pelican Noise Works. It is, indeed. Um, with that, we're up at time. We should uh, wrap this thing up. Uh, if you've enjoyed what you heard, you can hear more of it over at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, where from as little as $1 a month, you can support guitar nerds. Um, at $1 a month, you get no adverts and you get the episode a little bit early. Um, at the $5 tier, you get an extra half an hour of guitar nerds content every week, as well as the uh, occasional interviews that we do and the occasional mini series that we do like Branton's Ranton um, and coming up I think we're going to record it in a few weeks the gear of yesteryear um, where we go through old gear of the year uh, in old guitar magazines um, and what else do you get for that tier? Just a load of stuff basically. Oh yeah and you get the episode ad free and early as you do on the the bottom tier um, and for $10 which is our executive producer tier you get your name read out on every podcast thusly Derek Rich, Chris Connors, Andy Joyce, Steve Merkel, his name is Blair Toms, Carlos Mancha, Andrew McRow, Mark Cross is his name, JD Short, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, and Paul Carrigan, Jack Godfrey, Will Clare, Scott O'Brien, Matt Quine, Phil Tomset, Laurie Anstis, Moo Gravit, Colin Anderson. There we go. That was probably the uh, most and least tuneful uh, name readings that we've done in any episode. You forgot that Joe wasn't here to read out the names, weren't you? So you joined in with me. No, I wanted to get up to speed. I was just... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it worked out okay. Maybe next time I won't sing them. Not not so good. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you needed to. No, I should have just said them. Anyway, um, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, You can also follow us 
everywhere on the internet at Guitar Nerds on Twitter at Guitar Nerds on Instagram Guitar Nerds videos on YouTube um, and join the Facebook group because it means that you can join in the uh, podcast sending in questions and chat to fellow listeners facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Guitar Nerds forum um, just uh, we're going to go and record the Patreon now what are we doing this week? We're doing, oh, What's Up with Squire Part 2. Part 2. Where we run down the rest of the Squire range, talk about what's cool, what's new uh, from Squire Guitars. So, yeah, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds for that. Fantastic. We we will see you next week. Thanks, gang. Bye-bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.